Welcome to Let Go, Lean In, my podcast designed with transformational leaders like you in mind. I'm Lise Lewis, your transformational leadership coach. In each episode, you'll find help growing awareness of your mindset as a leader, be equipped with a tool to let go of unrealistic expectations and self-limiting beliefs that get in the way of your one precious life. My goal is for you to thrive as you lean in toward the leadership call God has put on your life. Join me and other leaders as we let go and lean in together. Well, welcome today to another fabulous episode of Let Go Lean In. Today we get to speak with Andrea Nyberg, who is a personal friend, but has such a precious story. And her way of leading is through transparency and vulnerability. Her authenticity is something I know you'll be inspired by. And so Thanks for joining in. And Andrea, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you, Lisa. It's so good to be here. I know that it would be much more fun if we were sitting across the table in San Carlos at Starbucks having coffee together, but this is what we get. So I love it. Here we are. Yes. (laughs) Well, I want to share a little bit about you with my listeners. And so I'm just going to read. Uh, your bio, which I think is lovely. And um, so here we go. Andrea is a wife and mom who's battled the pain and shame of anxiety and depression, but ultimately found that Jesus' love for us is unaltered by what we face or how we feel. She now shares hope and solidarity with Christian women facing their own battles by inviting them to reframe their faith and identity through the unchanging love of Christ. So welcome, Andrea M. Nyberg. Right. I know, right. Gotta throw that M in there. Andrea Nyberg was already taken. So you know. You gotta have your middle (laughs) initial or the the first initial of your maiden name, depending on how that works, right? Then we have to have those identifiers for sure. Yeah, I won't even go into how many different Lisa Lewises are out there, which is why (laughs) coaching is a part of my identity. It's it's funny. Um but it's, it's still a testimony of our uniqueness because here you put in the M and that totally separates you from any other, which is awesome. Yeah. But in God's eyes, you're already separated and it doesn't really matter about those details. He sees you as unique. And yeah. I know um, we've talked so many different times about not only your journey, but what your hope is for what women connecting around this topic of anxiety and depression can, um, can do in people's lives. And, and it isn't just this passion. There's this thing called leadership that starts happening. And, and that's why I so wanted to have you be a part of this because so many women have the opportunity to lead in the spaces where they are, but they don't see themselves as a leader. And 
and it doesn't matter if we have that title in our job description or whatever it might be. And so really my hope today in our conversation is you just share from your heart and, and women will be encouraged. And so, so let's dive in. What is your earliest memory and awareness that you had of leadership in yourself? It's really when I, I was about in my very early teens, I had become a Christian. I had gone to youth group. To be honest, it all started with a boy, doesn't it always? Um, <laughs> I had a big crush on this boy named John. And I found out one of my good friends uh, went to church with him. So I kind of nonchalantly almost invited myself to youth group with her. <laughs> Little did I know that I would encounter the ultimate lover of my soul, Jesus, mm -hmm. that night. And that was the night that I, I had known about God. I had known about Jesus, but that was the, the moment that I encountered him personally and understood what he had done for me with that. I, I started going to church with her every week and pretty soon um, I was ready to be baptized and I became a part of that church. And with my personality type, it didn't take long for people to take notice of me. I'm really energetic. I'm a people person. So right away, they actually came to me and offered me, you know, um, leadership opportunities for the younger kids um, and conferences where we, you know, we would have, it was like a weekend away and we would all go. And that was my first memory of leadership. And I remember it, it was wonderful in one way and then kind of like scary in another, like, wow, this is all new to me. Yet um, as I'm leading, I'm learning. And that's really what God has shown me throughout my life and will continue is as we lead, we're learning. It's not that we have it all figured out. It's that we've been given an opportunity to facilitate a safe space for all of us to learn together. And that, that really has been something I've, you know, continue to, to process and to remember that I don't have to have all the answers. I'm helping mm. to create a safe space for all of us to learn together. Boy, if that isn't just the classic yeah. definition of transformational leadership, right. I have yeah. no idea what, what, what it would <laughs> sound like. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for taking, mm. taking that thoughtful approach to talk about the importance of creating a safe space so we can all learn together. I mean, that's, that's it, right? If, yeah. if we as leaders act as if we have all the information, then we separate ourselves. Absolutely. And, and so just in, in being willing to create a safe space to learn, but to have that humble posture of being a learner yourself, that's priceless. It took a little therapy to get there, friend. You know, I'm not going to lie because I'm the leader with self-doubt. I'm the leader mm -hmm. who doubts herself. And, you know, and then you come to find out it's anxiety and depression. You know, I, I can think of many times when I've just wanted to give up as a leader because I've doubted myself. And what, when I realized that it was really the anxiety and the depression that were steering, they had mm -hmm. control of the wheel um, but I just feel like I have to keep going back to that truth that it's not about having it all figured out. It's never going to be perfect. You know, I, I'm leading a life group right now through my church and I, we, we meet on Monday nights and I had brought something up that 
I was kind of thinking about and you know you get like the blank stares and the crickets chirping and you're like okay like that just wasn't for this moment and it's something I'm wrestling with but they're not and and it was like I kind of had to to draw draw myself out of that hole of self-doubt because I'm like oh great they're not going to want to come back you know all the things and it's like nope this is not a perfect space. This is the safe space to chat and to be real. So it was just, again, I I will still and always be learning and have to go back to those truths that it's not going to be perfect. But the most important thing is that we show up. Mm. We just have to show up and create that safe space for ourselves and for those, the other people we're serving. I know what you mean by creating a safe space. And Mm. you just gave an example that I understood. But if somebody hasn't had some of the experiences that you and I have had, and so Mm. these words of creating a safe space, what does that look like? Do you mind unpacking that definition for yourself? Because that might not be other people's experiences. But would, would you just kind of like, what does that mean in a group like your, your life group, for example? Right. And just to preface it, it takes courage to show up. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of courage. The, the goal of being together when we come together, like our MOPS group is what immediately comes to mind. MOPS is a place for moms with young kids. It's mothers of preschoolers is the acronym, but it's really just from the time you're pregnant to the time your kids go to school that, you know, that's a a place where I creating a safe space was very important and Mm -hmm. being able to enter a safe space was very important. What that meant for me was that I could show up just as I was with all of my fears, with all of my questions, with all of my joys and celebrations as well, and hope to be met with open arms. And I think that it, it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to make that, to make that a reality. Um, and it doesn't always happen and it doesn't always happen perfectly. But I think the idea is that, you know, we can kind of take down the number one, you know, our own fears about walking into a room and feeling mm. other than feeling less than, right? Those are some of my big ones. You know, I'm walking into a room of a hundred women that look like they've got it all figured out and I'm a mess. Mm. When in reality, we all feel like a mess. All of us, no matter how well our makeup is put on and how good our hair looks that day or how well our kids might be behaving that moment of, you know, the million moments of the day and we're comparing ourselves, right? And it's like, it takes work and and practice to show up and not to, to calm those voices of comparison and self-doubt. So it's, it takes us taking that, that step of courage. Then when I became a table leader, when, you know, when I'm helping to facilitate the conversation, I'm super aware and, and I'm highly sensitive to helping to create a space where each woman that shows up feels comfortable and knows that at least I will do what I can to help her come as she is and be able to say the things that she has on her heart that day with no judgment, with no shame, and just met with some solidarity. Mm. Uh, I think that's just such a, 
it's such a huge thing as people to show up because so often we feel like we're the only one. We're the only one that feels this way. We're the only one that's struggling with X, Y, Z, and we're not, Mm -mm. but it takes the courage and vulnerability to open up with each other, to find out that we're not. And it's a huge step. It's a risk. It's risky because some people aren't there yet. Some people are still stuck in a judgmental, you know, perspective, Mm -hmm. and it's likely out of their own insecurity that they're feeling that way. But in the moment when we're feeling insecure, it's hard to lean in and, and give that person grace because we're, you know, so yeah. it, it takes a tremendous amount of energy and intentionality, but I have found that, um, when I have shown up and taken that brave step, sure. Sometimes the person that I was sharing with wasn't ready, but mm-hmm. 90% of the time they were, and me sharing my pain opened the door for them to share theirs. And that that's life changing. Mm-hmm. It is that's so so important. You talked about courage and vulnerability, and when we lead out in that way and create that safe space, like you said, 90 percent of the time, someone else then feels the freedom to follow that yeah. courageous step and recognize we're not alone. And I think there's so much power in that because the enemy of our souls wants us to feel isolated and alone, wants us to believe that no one else understands or would have room for the compassion that we need or whatever it might be. So that is so powerful to create that safe space. And I've seen you do it. That's the part. I know what you're talking about because I've witnessed it. And I know too that, you know, research, according to Dr. Brene Brown, proves that this this whole idea of having courage and bravery in the face of, you know, these these uncertainties and these, these lies that we've, stories that we've told ourselves that we're alone in these circumstances. When we do that, life happens, opens up. That's so awesome. I know that what you're doing with your writing and speaking is all about this. And I was wondering if you would just take a moment to kind of help women know what you're doing before I ask you a couple of official podcast questions. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I, yes, through my Uh, battle with anxiety and depression and through my mops group. That's just where God had me and thank God he did (laughs) Um, because it was scary to show up in that time in community. But through that, um, you know, the, the very first time I shared my story was at the, the end of the year tea and testimony. And we were supposed to share um, what God had done in our lives. And the theme for that year was be you bravely. And I felt about, uh, as little bravery as I had ever, as little brave as I had ever felt, least brave. Hello, I can talk. Um, and, but I got up and I, I had written, you know, word for word, what I, what I wanted to say. I don't even think I looked up from the microphone, but I shared my story. And when I did look up, I'm, I was met with the eyes of woman after woman across that room with tears. Mm-hmm. And you could just feel that I'm not alone here. And it was that moment that God said, 
this is from this moment, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep sharing our story because what kind of like leadership you learn as you lead, the same has been true for me as scary Mm. as it was to step into a space around mental health and faith, you know, mental illness in the church. Like that's fun. Um, you know, um, and all of the self, you know, identity crises that I was in. So through that group, I had a friend, um, give me the name of a therapist that I had, I had reached out to the group and shared, you know, some of my struggles and she private messaged the name of a therapist that she uh, was working with as a coworker. Um, I, it was just resource after resource, um, a, a, a ministry called life skills that helps, um, go where it's kind of like a Christian psychotherapy retraining of the brain, the brain that God made and learning how it's wired and how, what trauma does to us and how we can actually learn to change our thinking and change our habits to live a healthier life and have healthier relationships with ourselves and with others. So it was all through that process that, you know, I had to get myself healthy, but as I was doing that, I was sharing my story um, with people. And then God said, well, let's take it up a few notches. And it was like, there was a a speaking conference local here in San Jose with um, a local author and speaker that I had been introduced to years before and just opportunity after opportunity landed in my lap. I didn't even have to go looking for it. And that was just God making it so abundantly clear. This Mm -hmm. was the avenue he wanted to route me on um, for the foreseeable future. So now um, I, I've spoken a lot at mops groups to moms with young kids, because that was when it happened for me. My son was a year old and my daughter was three years old when everything came crashing down. And I had reached this point of such hopelessness Mm -hmm. that I felt my family would be better off without me. Mm -mm. And that's a really hard place to be, especially as a person of faith, as a Christ follower, as a person who knows the hope of Christ and all that he is yet the hopelessness of mental illness and how that just blocks our eyes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, it's being able to speak the truth in the midst of dark times Mm -hmm. is where we can really know that our faith is real. Yes. It it's not just in platitudes, like, mm-hmm. you know, hope in the Lord, you know, and, and just everything will be fine. It's like, no, in the middle of the darkest hours and moments, God mm-hmm. is there. Yeah. Loving still. And, and how do we learn to see in the dark? Yes. And that's, I think the beauty of what you offer as you not only tell your story, but invite women to reframe. It's just, that's a beautiful connection to your life skills experience. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would love that we'll, we'll include, you know, these details and things in the show notes for people so that they can get connected. If this is something that they're, um, you know, wanting to learn more about, but just the idea of reframing. I'm wondering if there is a specific tool that you use on the regular that you would you know, want to share with the listeners as far mm-hmm. as 
you know, not only in leadership, but also as you are reframing um, yeah. the story that, that you have struggled to tell truthfully rather than believing the lie story. Absolutely. It really all goes back to getting with Jesus. Mm. That is the only way to reframe things, to see them as they truly are, as he sees them. Um, the idea of reframe came to me because I love photography and mm -hmm. I had just been asking God, you know, as I was getting into this, what, what's like something tangible and reframe was the word that he gave me. And because you're right, Lisa, we, we so often are blinded by the lies and we're debilitated by the lies, but, and, and to be truthful, this came out of a season where I was so blinded by the lies that I closed my Bible. I didn't know how to read it and take it in for what it was. I was seeing, you know, do you know that the Bible says, do not be afraid 365 times. So it's like a, do not be afraid for every day. Here's, here's what I heard. Don't be afraid. I've already told you. Haven't I told you? Mm. I heard, um, disappointment and frustration from a God who I thought loved me. And therefore, because of all that I was dealing with, all of my feelings and all that I was facing, I closed my Bible because I didn't know how to come to the God who said he loves me when I felt so unlovable. Oh, yeah. So that, that word in this ministry has come out of that place of hopelessness and confusion. Yet, even though I closed my Bible, God did not close his love for me. Mm. And he met me right in the middle of that storm. And, and I, I am just blessed to, be, you know, when I say that God spoke to me and I, you know, it's not an audible voice, but I just, it's so in tune to my soul that when he mm. speaks, I hear it and yeah. I know that it's him. And it was Isaiah 41.10 that he drew me to. And that story is, you know, the Israelites have been, you know, he has saved them from uh, the slavery in Egypt and he's freed them. But yet they still, you know, the second Moses disappears, the second a tangible physical person disappears, they start to doubt. Yeah. And so that's the context of that verse. But in, in the moment for me, what it says is, do not be afraid for I am your God. Do not be dismayed. I will help you. I will strengthen you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm -hmm. And when God talks about his righteous right hand, he's talking about a love so strong that nothing can tear us out of his arms. As strong as that storm got, and as much as I pulled away, his arms were so secure around me. There was nothing that could separate me from that. And, and it was in that, it was literally just almost like being curled up with the father on a couch. And, and mm -hmm. it was, that's what it felt like. And so as much as I was confused about God and who I was to him, he pursued me and he met me so tangibly in that moment with those words of truth that have been true and will always be true. So I adapted that. That is like my life first. So whenever I am struggling or, you know, I start to doubt myself either as a mom, a wife, a leader. And by the way, being a wife and a mom is being a leader. <laughs> yes. Very it good. is just ingrained in the role. Yeah. You are a person of influence, no matter 
though that title go. might not be vice president, you can call yourself the vice president of the Nyberg household, whatever <laughs> you need to do friend. But that is a, is a beautiful role of influence. There's yeah. a weightiness to that role of influence, yeah. but as a wife, as a mom, as a leader, when I begin to doubt, I go back to those words that, and that God loves me no matter how I feel, because I feel mm. a lot of ugly things when I'm facing anxiety and depression, awful things. I doubt God's love for me, no matter what I face when I pray and I pray and I pray, and it doesn't seem like he's hearing me. So I doubt him some more yeah. yet. We, we start to learn that um, I have learned that God answers my prayers because he's with me. Yeah. It's, it's not that he promised me that he was going to take it away because it's very, very few times. Does he do that? Mm -hmm. Most often he's showing us I'm with you in the storm. <laughs> Yep. And that's really the gift. That's the biggest answer to prayer is that God is with us to strengthen us and help us through the storm. But it, it takes a lot of um, time and intentionality to reframe our faith in that way, because we think I pray this thing and I ask for God to do this and then he does it. And that's the answer to prayer. Right. And it just so often doesn't work that way. Yeah, um, no. That becomes such a transactional relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And you, and we don't even mean to do it. We don't even mean no. to. We don't even realize it. But yeah, that's exactly what we do. Yeah, and and you so wisely said the the true answer to prayer is that He's in it with you, and so it's His presence that is the true gift and the true answer because you're not yeah. alone in the darkness. You're not alone in your struggles, and He is with you holding you what a beautiful picture that is to just imagine being held in a father's arms in such a loving embrace that you know you can't struggle away he's he's got you that's right. so good you know earlier andrea you you said something about uh, mental health and mental illness in the church mm -hmm. And that some, and just recently you said, and, and it's very rare that God takes it away, but instead is with us through things. And this wasn't on my list of questions. And, and if, if you're not comfortable answering it, please just say, nope, and, and we're good and we'll move on. And, and yet I know that in my own struggle with depression, medication was such an important component with my therapist, a Christian therapist, working with my doctor. Mm -hmm. How, how, what is your opinion and experience regarding the value of, of medication when we're dealing with things like anxiety and depression? Because I know there's a lot of controversy still even yes. in this, you know, 2020, here we are. Here we are. I'm so glad you asked that question because that is, that's very important to me. And I really want to help remove the stigma around medication and going to a therapist. Uh, you know, let, let, let's just normalize those words. I tell my yes. kids, my kids know that I take medication. My kids know that I go to therapy. I want those to be words that don't feel yucky in their ears. I want them to be normal. Um, because we all need help and that our help comes in many different forms. I believe yes. that God has, he created, he created each of us with 
a unique ability to bring something that will benefit everyone in the world. And I believe specifically doctors and counselors, those are God's ambassadors, whether they realize it or not, whether they're Christians or not, he created them and he wired them in a way to help people yes. in those specific ways. I truly believe that. So medication is something that has is part of my life now. That was a really difficult journey at first. And mm. um, for me, the reason being, um, I, I suffered from migraines, debilitating migraines for years. Mm. And I had been on several very, uh, harsh medications to help with that. And I was terrified of the side effects. Mm. So I know that's very real for people, but I was also, I think I was still, I had, you know, we're in it, as you said, 2020, you know, we've got acupuncturists, we've got chiropractors, we've got naturopathic doctors. I had tried essential oils. I had tried every herbal supplement you could think of. And, but, and those, those help, those do help, but without the, um, without that being under the care of a physician that actually has studied that and knows like what dose and how often, and, you know, just doing it yourself is really challenging. You might not get the dosage you need or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I do believe in the power of essential oils and herbs and all of those things. My body was so far gone. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the medication, um, it took me a year of going to therapy, an actual year, 12 months of Mm -hmm. my, you know, me again. And it was finally one day, um, she had said, okay, Andrea, we've talked a lot about what could go wrong. Let's talk today about what could go right. Uh, And that, that was finally like the piece, the, the change in perspective, mm -hmm. the the paradigm shift. And I thought, you know what, (laughs) I know, I know what I'm scared of, but I also have a lot of hope for what could go right. So I finally decided let's do this. And so and I'll tell you, it did not take long for my body to, it was like literal, you know, just the weight, like of a heavy coat or something, or someone just throwing them their whole weight on you. That is what I felt lift off of me oh, wow. when I, when the medication kicked in mm-hmm. the, the perpetual racing thoughts slowed down. Mm-hmm. I, and it was just like, And I'm not going to say that it's been perfect. Not all of my problems have disappeared. Finding the right medication is tricky. Find, you know, there's going to be side effects. And I've even tried to um, wean off the medication um, because it had been a long time. It had been five years. I thought, well, maybe. And I worked closely with my doctor. My body said, nope. (laughs) And, and you know what? Not yet. Maybe not ever. There you go. And I think that. That is something, number one, I have to grieve that. And I think there is a safe space and a healthy space to grieve the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know what, my body doesn't produce enough of X, Y, Z, serotonin, whatever it is, whatever your um, illness is. And, and therefore I have to take this medication every day. Um, I don't, however, feel so sad about my thyroid medication that I have to take every day. And Um, I think there is a different level of concern and shame that's attached when it's our mind. That is the thing that's not working because it, it, it's, it's, it's hidden and 
you can struggle with anxiety and depression and, and other people may never know. Right. Um, and so there's a, there's a level of, of empathy that comes um, like, say, if I were going through treatment for cancer and I had lost all my hair and it was just very obvious or, you right. know, that I was struggling with something people are, you know, we're just naturally more prone to be empathetic. Let me open the door for you. Let me help you. Um, but because anxiety and depression show themselves beneath the surface, um, it doesn't lend itself to that same kind of empathy. It actually lends itself to confusion in relationships mm. and tension because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It, right. it, it, the one plus one doesn't equal two in this scenario. Um, but the medication got me to the place where I could open my Bible again mm. and I could gain the perspective because I wasn't hearing all those voices anymore. Those voices had calmed down because my body got the chemicals that it needed to be more balanced and come out of that fight or flight mode that I was in 24 seven and nobody can function. You can't function to do anything else when your body, and it had been years of that. So not only was my mind foggy, my body was also paying the cost with those things. So I, I definitely um, talk, you know, but work with your doctor. And I, I, I think that medication alone, um, I think medication in conjunction with a therapist, a counselor, mm-hmm. meeting with a pastor, taking a class through your church or hospital, um, because the medication will help take care of the chemical balance, but there are a lot of unhealthy patterns and habits that we have formed through being able to learn how to survive in that mode. And so I think those two things working together can really help us. Um, And for me, it helped rejuvenate my faith because then I could hear God and see more clearly um, his love for me, no matter what I was feeling and no matter what I was facing. I love that. Thank you so much for unpacking that, not only personally, but also then helping us take a look at that that lie, that stigma, that medication is less than. Yeah. Because it it doesn't have to be that kind of perspective. I think that's so much of what we don't recognize about ourselves are these mindsets. Mm-hmm. until we come to a place where we can't move forward because of yeah. a particular mindset. And you spoke to that for yourself that you had to recognize, oh, this, this is going to be all the good that could happen, like your doctor talked about. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it has. And, and the fact that it's a journey goes back to what you said earlier, that God is in this with you, with us, whatever it is that we're dealing with. And he doesn't necessarily take it away. He walks with us through it. And, and that's the power of faith is the moment by moment trust and, and really learning to let go of the stigma, let go of that mindset that keeps us other. Right. And lean in toward Jesus, who, who wants to not only be with us, but comfort us and strengthen us and be our shield and provider and protector. I mean, all these things uh, have always been true, but suddenly when you're not seeing through a fog and that weight is gone, you can receive those things in a Mm -hmm. different way. 
I just love that. And of course, this this just naturally segues into um, the the third question that I love to ask my guests is, what is your definition of thriving? Mm. Because as a leader, you've created safe space, you are being courageous and brave, and you're inviting people into recognizing this is this is a journey particularly your leadership in vulnerability around anxiety and depression. What, what does thriving look like in, in life regularly now, or is it still out in front of you or, you know, just talk about that for a minute (laughs) or two. I mean, well, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Hashtag 2020, you know, (laughs) I know. Right. I think, What I want to say is I think thriving is really difficult right now. I I think it's our expectation of what thriving Mm -hmm. looks like, because my first instinct, when you ask me what is thriving, it's when I'm showing up as myself and I am failing, but I am recognizing my failures and I am moving forward. I'm not letting them debilitate me. Uh I am I I'm losing it with my kids because I've just been, I've been tapped out, but then I'm, I'm asking forgiveness and I am, Mm -hmm. I am, I am humbling myself to recognize that I don't have it all together because I want my kids to have permission to not have to be perfect either. And it's like, well, here's me as your example, yay, um, (laughs) of imperfection. That to me, thriving is when I, you know, I'm, I'm getting to chat with my husband at the end of the day, and we're getting to talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I think the expectation of thriving is that we're doing all the things and we're getting it all done and we look good while we're doing it. And I will not, I will not be able to sustain that. I might be able to sustain mm-hmm. that for like a week or maybe a day, maybe a month, you know, like I'm posting on Instagram every day and um, my email followers are responding back to me with prayer requests and gosh, I can't tell you how much that fills me up. Mm. But if I'm, if I'm looking to that as my level of success that I got X, Y, Z followers, or, um, because my main goal is not numbers. It's that Mm -hmm. every follower on Instagram is a person to me. It's a person that I want to reach with hope and solidarity. And if I'm doing that great, but there's going to be days where it's not, happening, or maybe I didn't have time to post that. I didn't, I didn't prepare myself well enough that week. Am I going to let that stop me and say, well, I guess I'm just not good at this. Or am I going to say, you know what, gosh, I'm going to carve out some time next week to do that. And I'm going to let myself off the hook. And then I might even post about, gosh, you know what? It's really hard to show up sometimes. I think Mm. thriving is just for me, it's just being able to be real with all of my mess and, and, and have community. I have a core group of women that have just become a lifeline for me. And through the pandemic, even though we haven't been able to see each other, we've been texting, we've been uh, Zooming and FaceTiming, uh, Marco Polo, you name it, like staying connected to, to a core group of people mm-hmm. has been crucial because some days I'm going to forget my, my worth and what I'm bringing to the table, but it is so easy for me to look at you and encourage you. So Mm. therefore I need someone to do that for me because they're going to see something beautiful that I'm missing. They're going to see something strong that I think looks like weakness Mm. and thriving to me is community where we can be vulnerable and real 
and fail forward together. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so good. Showing up as you are and being able to be in community where you can be honest and fail forward together. I love that fail forward yeah, because fail forward. that that is that's a, a book title, but it's also right. <laughs> just so powerful to remind ourselves this is the way it is. We're in the messy middle of life. It's not always going to have this beautifully curated, you know, home and, and like you said earlier, makeup and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is, that's not what true living is all about. So I love that you identify thriving in that way because that's a lot more attainable. Yeah. Right. We can, we can show up every day and say, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. And and we, we look to God for his strength and his help and his wisdom and that, and he helps us fail forward because yeah. we will fail every day. I will, you know, get irritated with my kids for something silly every day. I mean, it's just the truth, um, <laughs> but I also, I can also be strengthened by him to say, gosh, I'm really sorry. I had something else going on in my mind and in my heart. And I snapped at you and that wasn't fair. Um, mm. And I feel it, this is one of the most important things to me that I have learned because as a mom who, you know, with young kids uh, struggling through mental illness and then just, um, just stuff from my childhood, you know, just, just lies and, and beliefs about myself that I've had to overcome. And, um, you know, some days you just feel like, gosh, somebody else would do this so much better. And mm -hmm. God just tenderly reminds me like, no, this is this, you have these children for a reason because I gave them to you and it's not important that you be perfect. It's important that you you're teaching them through your struggles and your failures, how mm -hmm. to be humble and how to ask forgiveness. And I I've had to kind of learn to celebrate that. Like I'm proud of that. And I want other people to be proud of that as well. When they, when they take the time to do that, because I feel like as hard as it is to mess up, it's, it's even more beautiful to watch what comes of it. And I think mm. there is so much beauty in, in learning from our, you know, messes or mistakes or whatever. We need not be so afraid of them. I, I feel like that's another stigma. It's the perfectionism stigma that we need oh, to yeah. overcome and, and it's a debilitator and it robs us. And I, and I, gosh, I'm still working. I'm, I will always be working on this, but I think learning to be proud of what we bring through those messy moments, um, we can celebrate those together. Mm, that's so good. Andrea, you are full of wisdom and because I 100 percent believe that wisdom comes from above it's evident that you and god are pretty close mm -hmm. <laughs> so so yeah brothers <laughs> i i am so grateful that you were willing to have this conversation today and i'm confident that the listeners for let go lean in are going to be thrilled to be connected with you we're going to have all of your connection points in the show notes but just if you're listening and and aren't in front of the the computer in this way. It's Andrea M. Nyberg, N-Y-B-E-R-G.com. Mm -hmm. And you can meet her over there on her website and get connected. And I know 
um, that she's prepared a little offering for those of you that are interested. So you can find that in the show notes as well. And, and Andrea, thank you so much for letting us in to know that it's possible to reframe not only our day, but our entire mind and identity. That's just so priceless. Thank you for leading us in this way. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It was a joy. 